Welcome to the Journey Church Houston podcast. The Journey is a church plant in Houston, Texas, inviting people on a journey to discover the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. Whether you are a skeptic, a spiritual seeker, or a committed follower of Jesus Christ, we pray this podcast engages your heart and your mind with the truth claims of Christianity, why it's believable, and how it makes sense of our lives and the world. And we hope you are inspired to take your next step in your spiritual journey. In this episode, Stephen continues our series on relational evangelism. We have talked in previous episodes about how to help people move from being unknown to known in their spiritual journeys. And now Stephen teaches how to help them go from known to curious. We want to gently help people see the plot holes in their worldview stories and reveal to them the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. We do this through asking more thoughtful questions and by sharing our stories about how the Christian story has changed our lives. So let's take a listen as Stephen continues our relational evangelism series. Good evening, everyone. It's good to see you all. So today we're continuing our series on relational evangelism. As a review, we as Christians have been charged with a mission by our Lord Jesus Christ. This charge is called the Great Commission. And it's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. To carry out that great commission, our church applies timeless biblical and historical principles of evangelism and discipleship to the unique challenges and opportunities of this cultural moment. This disenchanted, postmodern, post-Christian age. And we do this through our mission, our values, and our strategy. So our mission, hopefully you've heard this many times by now, is to invite people on a journey to discover the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. Our values are biblical, thoughtful, relational, and missional. And our strategy is called the journey. And it has six waypoints. The first three comprise what we call relational evangelism. Does anyone remember what those waypoints are? There's three steps to relational evangelism. We call them waypoints, but... What do we want to do first? What's the first thing we want to do when we're trying to help someone guide them to the gospel? You invite them. Invite them? Okay. When we invite them, what do we want to do with them? Have them learn. Yeah, we want to we want them to learn. We want to learn more about them, right? We want them to be known. Uh, we want them to be curious. We want them to believe. So those are the first three waypoints, we call it, of our, of our relational evangelism. Be known, be curious, believe. Can you all say that after me? Be known, be, be curious, believe. Let's try it again. Be known, be, be curious, believe. Awesome. So this is our strategy of relational evangelism. Last week, Mace introduced the first waypoint in this journey, uh, that they would be known, that they would move from being unknown to known, that our friends, neighbors, and coworkers, that we would truly know them. 
and that we would seek to develop relationships with them through active listening and asking good questions. Now, Mace actually gave us some homework of having an intentional conversation with someone uh, from our top five. We're not asking y'all to go find your friend from, from work or, or school or, or your neighbor and, and say, hey, I need to sit down and just share Jesus with you today as much as I'm asking you to, to, to find someone who, who you know doesn't have know Jesus. And odds are, if they don't know Jesus, um, there's some things we get in the church that people don't really get outside of the church. And one of those things is community. Um, and odds are, if you have a friend or a neighbor who's not in church, there's not many people in their life who ask them uh, deep questions about their life. So, uh, so take a step of faith and, and think of that top five. You say, we say top five, it could just be the first person that comes to mind um, and, uh, and ask them to tell them a little bit more about themselves. All right. Well, uh, today we're introducing the second waypoint of relational evangelism. We want our friends, neighbors, coworkers, and family members to move from being known to being curious about the Christian story. If you go back all the way to our first mission team lesson, which if you didn't know, all of our lessons are available on our website, so you can go back and revisit any lesson that we've had before. Uh, but in our very first lesson, I give an introduction to our mission at The Journey. We learned that we all live by a story that tries to make sense of reality. We believe the Christian story is the true, good, and beautiful story of reality. The secular story, on the other hand, leads to disenchantment. By disenchantment, I mean this cultural malaise that spirals into despair as people, contrary to every ounce of their God-given hard wiring, attempt to live in a story that has no external or objective meaning, purpose, or identity. As Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, he, God, has put eternity into man's heart. God has made people to desire transcendence that can only be found in him. Yet the secular story has entered in, and as Romans 5 8, 18 says, they, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. But that desire is still there. No matter how much our friends suppress the truth, their hearts were wired for God. Augustine, back in 400 AD, wrote, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We want to awaken our friends from that cultural malaise, to realize the restlessness of their hearts, and to stir curiosity for the Christian story. And I think this takes place in two steps. First, we want to expose and challenge the plot holes in their story. And then second, we want to reveal to them the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. So exposing the plot holes. The first step of stirring curiosity is that we want to expose and challenge the plot holes in their story. Plot holes fail to account for the transcendentals. That's a big word, but transcendentals is when we say truth, goodness, and beauty, that's what we mean, the transcendentals. Transcendentals are the immaterial parts of our world that humans long for. They're evidence that something greater than the material world exists. Plot holes fail to fully and coherently account for the transcendentals. So to expose the plot holes in the story, we need to ask questions that identify them. These questions I call, do you think questions? 
These are questions that only the Christian story can adequately answer. Here are some examples of, of do you think questions. One, do you think there's a purpose of, to life? Do you think we were put here for something? Or two, do you think there's a God? Or three, do you think there's a such thing as good and evil? Or four, do you think there's a true religion? Or five, where do you think this all came from? Six, what do you think it means to be human? And seven, do you think there's true beauty in the world? These are just a few possible questions. Do you think questions? And the answers that you'll get will be revealing. If their story does not correspond to reality, then you should see a plot hole in their answers to these questions. Stories must be true to the way the world really is. Let me show you all, or let's do an exercise that I think will help us um, understand this a little bit more. Can you identify the plot holes in these statements? Just tell me what sticks out to you immediately that that may be wrong about, about these statements. Here's one. I think all religions ultimately teach the same thing. What's the plot hole in this statement? The assumption. The assumption? Assumption about what? That all religions are the same. That all religions are the same. Are they all the same? No. How do we know that? They teach contradictory doctrine. Yeah, they teach contradictory doctrine. All religions aren't the same. They don't teach the same thing. They teach very different ways of seeing the world. Very good. Here's another one. I don't think we can really know anything about God. What's the pothole in that statement? I don't think we can really know anything about God. But they haven't been introduced to Scripture. They haven't been introduced to Scripture. Okay. It's making a claim about God. Yeah, it's, it's making assuming. a claim about God. Yeah. You say we don't, we can't really know anything about God, um, but you're saying that one thing we can know about God is that we can't know anything about <laughs> God. How do you know? Uh, okay, number three. I think Jesus is just one of many ways to God. What's the plot hole in this statement? What would Jesus himself have to say about this statement? That he is the link. Yeah, he says himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So if you're at least taking Jesus' words you know, in letting him speak for himself, then he would say, no, uh, Jesus is not just one of many ways to God. There's another one. I think you can find out who you are by looking inside yourself. We all think about that one. This one's a little tricky. This one's very common in culture today, but it is a plot, it has a plot hole in it. Doesn't include God. That's true. I think one that has sticks out to me, this is just one 
answer to this is how I feel inside changes all the time. I've changed my opinions about my purpose, my desires, what I want, where I'm going in life. Um, the things that can make people's identities in today's culture, I've changed my mind on those things at least 20 times in the last 28 <laughs> years. Our hearts are not very good uh, sources of truth. Then fifth, I think people should just do and believe whatever makes them happy. What, what is the plot hole in this, this statement? The thought that you can just do anything or believe anything you want mm. without really, really having a having a, a base of beliefs. Yes. Yeah. I'll say that. But. Yeah. Believe that they can do whatever they want to do. There's something intuitively wrong about thinking someone should be able to do whatever they want to do. Why is that? Whatever they want isn't necessarily a good yeah. thing for them or for others. Yeah, what if the thing that makes them happy is like hurting other people? You know, what if you would, you know, would you say that a serial killer should be able to do whatever makes them happy? Once again, our hearts are not very good indicators of what is true, good, and beautiful because we as Christians know that our hearts are corrupt, that our hearts have been tainted by sin. And while God in Christ is, re is regenerating our hearts, is, is sanctifying us, is making us more like Jesus every day, we still live in a sinful fallen world and sinful fallen bodies. So our hearts don't always correspond to what is true, good, and beautiful. All right, good job. So we wanna identify our friends' plot holes through do you think questions. And then we want to challenge those plot holes. Christian apologist Greg Kokel likens evangelism to putting a stone in someone's shoe. We want our friends to feel a growing discomfort with their current story, to realize the restlessness of their hearts and desire something more. Part of putting that rock in their shoe is challenging the plot holes in their stories. Now, there are loving and unloving ways to challenge plot holes in people's stories. We should remember that love, while it rejoices in the truth, love is also kind. So we should seek to be kind in the way that we challenge people's beliefs and stories. And that means we should use kind, persuasive techniques rather than harsh debate tactics. That means that we want to gently guide our friends to come to the realization of their plot holes for themselves. One way we do this is to ask permission to ask a hard question. An example of this is saying, hey, I was thinking about something you said earlier. And when it, one of those statements that had a pothole before, I was thinking about something you said earlier. Do you mind if I ask you a hard question? Do you mind if I ask you a difficult question? And after receiving permission, we wanna ask them a how can it be question. How can it be? Here are some examples. How can it be that all religions teach the same thing when Christianity teaches that Jesus was God, but Islam teaches that Jesus was only a prophet? How can it be that we can't really know anything about God when that seems to say something about God? How can it be that Jesus is just one of many ways to God when he says no one comes to the Father except through me? 
How can it be that we should look inside ourselves for truth when my heart constantly leads me astray? And Lord willing, as we ask these do you think questions and how can it be questions, we put a rock in our friend's shoe and they begin to doubt the story they live by really has the power to explain reality as it is. But we don't want to stop there. We don't stop at destabilizing our friend's stories. One will not abandon a sinking ship unless they see a better ship to jump into. And that's why we want to invite them to a better story. We want to invite our friends to discover the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. And we do this through relationships that reveal truth, goodness, and beauty. Now, what does this look like practically? What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two broad application points for each of the transcendentals. And then I want to give you an accessible tool that I want you to work through to share the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story with your friends, neighbors, coworkers, and family members. First, we're going to talk about beauty. And notice I'm actually going to go in an opposite order from our mission statement. And I think because this is the order upon which most people in this generation will respond positively to. So we're actually starting with beauty. First is beauty. How do we reveal the beauty of the Christian story? First, we give the master artist credit for beautiful things. This world is saturated with beauty. The Bible itself says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork, Psalm 19, verse 1. The vastness of the universe, the unsearchable depths of the ocean, the flickering flames of a campfire, the melodies of birds, the laughter of children, the first look at your bride at your wedding, the sweet strum of a guitar, the smell of fresh baked bread. All of creation is shouting at us that there is a God and he loves us. But sadly, our culture often looks at the beauty of the world around us and simply says, well, ain't that neat? Dr. Michael Spiegel, professor at DTS once said, I like coffee. Every word of that simple sentence is a reality because of the grace of a good and powerful God. I like coffee. Give the artist his due. Encounter and point out his masterpiece to your friends. Tell them, man, isn't God an amazing artist? Whether it's in your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, your, uh, when you see, uh, for me, it's when I see my son, and I see the way that God is revealed in him, the way that I see uh, out in nature, the beauty of his creation, the masterpiece that he's made. That's the first step. Give the artist his due. Second is this. Esteem beautiful art, literature, and music. Art is a lost art in the church. I want to challenge you today to explore the classics of Christian music, art, and literature. Read and watch fiction that esteems virtue. I think you can tell when something is, uh, is esteems virtue versus when something esteems the values of our culture. There's something unsettling sometimes about uh, many of the TV shows and movies that we watch today and the moral lessons they're trying to teach. Listen to Christian music that's profound and not just euphoric. Closely observe beautiful paintings by Christian artists. Read beautiful poetry. Evaluate art, music, and literature by how true, good, and beautiful they are. Esteem beautiful things. 
And I'm not, I know I'm, I might be sounding kind of like a snob right now, but Paul Gold says how important this is in persuading people with the Christian story. He says, great art and stories move the heart. Beauty awakens our longings and the imagination paints pictures in our mind that help us to see reality more clearly. We want to reveal the beauty of the Christian story. Second, we want to reveal the goodness of the Christian story in our relationships. The first way to reveal the goodness of the Christian story is to first live as if the Christian story matters for you personally. This sounds pretty obvious, but you'd be amazed at how many people are simply astounded by a Christian who actually lives as if they really believe the gospel is true. How does the gospel change how you live your life? Share with your friends updates in your life. Demonstrate courage in the face of hopelessness, resilience in the face of tragedy, gentleness and grace in response to cruelty, forgiveness and compassion in the face of betrayal, sadness over a state of sin, connected contentedness with God, and a deep abiding love for the church in all of its messiness. And do your big decisions flow out of your faith? What your career is, who your spouse is, where you live, how you spend your time, money, and resources? Live as if the Christian story matters to you personally. And second, live as if the Christian story mattered for this world. Paul Gould says, A cultural apologetic that walks along the plank of morality will show others how Christianity makes this world a better place. While there are new atheists, internet atheists, and pundits who loudly decry the evil perpetrated in the name of God, the sober judgment of historians and sociologists is that Christianity has largely been a force of immense good in the world. For over 1,500 years, the Christian imagination, mind, and conscience animated and shaped the West. As a result, many of its culture-shaping institutions have been formed by a Christian vision of reality, leading to the advancement of shalom, or peace, and the good of all. We should resist um, this secular tendency to compartmentalize our faith. Um, in, our, in our world today, religion is seen as more of a private devotion than a public tradition. But the Christian story has always been a public one. The gospel was an immense force for good in the abolition of slavery, the improvement of healthcare, the blossoming of the physical sciences, and promulgating human rights. Likewise, our faith should shape the way we perceive all of the cultural institutions in our society, whether it's politics, education, or the family. We reveal the goodness of the Christian story by living as if the Christian story really matters in all aspects of our life. And third, we want to reveal the truth of the Christian story. We do this by first, one, awakening the intellect through theologically rich books. C.S. Lewis says, one of the things that distinguishes man from other animals is that he wants to know things, wants to find out what reality is like simply for the sake of knowing. We were made to seek truth. We were created to think deeply about reality. Christianity has been and always will be a knowledge tradition with claims to answer the deepest questions of human experience. God even commands us to love him with our minds. When we become a Christian, we joyfully embark on a lifelong journey to know what we believe, why we believe it, and how it makes sense of the world. 
but our culture has been taught that books are for academics, not for the average man. Yet that's not how the Christian story treats books. God gave us the capacity to communicate beautiful truth through beautiful language. Christians throughout history have feasted upon great literature for the building up of the church. Read in groups, read with friends, read with members of our church, read with Mace and I, read with your friends who don't know Jesus, read for yourself. And second, we want to learn and articulate credible defenses of the Christian faith. There will be times when your friends simply need to know that you've thought through your faith and have good reason to believe it's true. You don't need to know every argument. We believe that the Christian faith is faith-seeking understanding, not the other way around. But you should have a few, few good reasons that you can share with your friends. You'd be surprised how shocking it can be to some people to learn that you're not simply a Christian because your culture told you to. You've searched for truth and have come to the conclusion that the Christian story is undeniably true to the way the world really is. This probably entails picking up a good book to read as well. So to summarize, we reveal the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story through one, giving the master artist credit for beautiful things, two, esteeming beautiful art, literature, and music, Three, living as if the Christian story matters to you personally. Four, living as if the Christian story matters to the world. Five, awakening the intellect through studying theologically rich books. And six, learning and articulating credible defenses of the faith. The heart and passion of this church is to cultivate these practices in our church rhythms. This will not be the last time you hear these things brought up in our church. This is a broad and quick overview of something that you're gonna experience throughout your time at the journey. But start thinking about how applying these principles to your life might look so that we might be more mature Christians and better guides for revealing the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. Now, I don't want you to walk away without a practical tool. We're gonna do an exercise that will give you a tool to share the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story with your friends in one conversation. This is through the form of storytelling. We wanna share in a very short elevator pitch how we have seen God work in our lives. So if y'all wanna grab either the piece of paper that I handed out, or if you wanna take out your phones and write on your notes app if you feel more comfortable doing that, we're gonna take some time to write out a short story about God's work in our life. So what I want you to do is start by jotting down times that you have seen God work in your life. Something that really changed your perspective on life or the way you lived your life that you know is a result of God's work in your life. Just write down a few ideas. I'll give you all two minutes to do that. And if you all feel pressed for time, you know, obviously this is not a ton of time to do this. Um, we'll have this available, these notes, this outline, uh, the slides will be on our website. Um, and I'll make sure even before the video and audio gets published to put these on our website today um, so that y'all can go back and look at this if you want to finish this at home. Um, but take two minutes to jot down ideas of times that you've seen God work in your life.
right? If you want to finish writing those things, we're going to go ahead and keep moving along. We're going to pick one of those stories to write, and we're going to use this outline to flesh it out. This outline is Before Belief and Beyond. Can you all say that after me? Before, Before Belief beyond. beyond. Here's an example from my own life. Before. In high school, I thought my life would finally be complete if I had a girlfriend. But what I was searching for was unconditional love that only God could offer. And when I finally got a girlfriend and we broke up, I was devastated. But belief. One day, I heard a pastor at a youth conference say, some of you are trying to fill a God-sized hole in your heart with people-sized things. I realized I was searching for love in all the wrong places that would not satisfy. We were created for relationship with God and true, fulfilling, unconditional love could only come from him. He was enough and beyond. Now I am free to love others, including my wife and son, unconditionally because I have been fully loved by God before belief beyond. So let's pick one of those stories you jotted down and write down a few sentences about what your life was like before this encounter with God. Maybe it was a sin that was hurting your life. Maybe it was idolizing what people thought of you. Maybe it was striving for something that could not bring joy or fulfillment. Maybe it was trying to write your own story and craft your own identity. Maybe it was an experience of grief or loss or tragedy. It could be any number of things that are a consequence of the fall. And think about when life before came to a boiling point and you knew things had to change. Let's take another two minutes to write that down. So before belief beyond, this is belief. Uh, this is the moment when you had an encounter with God, when you learned, a, maybe you learned a truth about the Christian story that truly changed your perspective or behavior. What event or encounter with God initiated this? What specific belief about God uh, is relevant to the story that changed? I wrote some of the movements of the Christian story from a gospel presentation that Mace is actually going to walk us through next week. But maybe it'll help clarify what changed about your beliefs? Was it something about God's original design for creation? Uh, when you say, oh, things are not the way they were meant to be, but I know God originally made the world for this. Was it the realization of your own sinfulness and need for grace? Was it something from the perfect life and character of Christ? Was it something about Jesus dying for your sins? Was it something about the hope of new creation? Was it a realization that you needed to accept the truth of the gospel for yourself? Write what you learned about the Christian story that changed your life. And we'll take two minutes to do that. So now we're going to talk about beyond. These are the actual changes in your life your life beyond that moment. What changed? How did your perspective change? How do you live your life differently now? Did the Holy Spirit enable you to overcome sin? How does your new belief or conviction affect how you experience brokenness or grief? Let's take two minutes to write that down. 
here's some tips that can help polish your story as well. Uh, write the way you speak. Remember, you're having a conversation. You're not giving a presentation to someone. You're not sitting down and saying, you know, giving a PowerPoint slide presentation of your life. You're, you're sharing your heart to them and, and, and giving them the hope that God's revealed to you in your life. And the idea is that this story will, will reveal that, one, there's something true about God that's changed your outlook on life or the way you live. And two, that it really means something to you, that this actually had an impact on your life in significant ways. And three, that your life is more beautiful as a result of it. And I know they'll experience that in their friendship with you anyways. Think about it a little bit more, but does anyone have like bits and pieces of their story that they want to share or their story that they want to share? I don't want to steal anyone else's opportunity to share, but um, the one that I I picked out was just our experience of um, losing Hannah. So I said before I really my life was really all about the American dream, you know, checking all the boxes that you're supposed to check, go to college, get a job, get a house, get a wife, get kids. Um, and I thought that all that was in my control. Um, and that I thought, um, you know, everything depended on me and my ability to get it done and execute my plan. Yeah. And that started to change when we got to the point in the check boxes that you're supposed to start having kids and we were really struggling with that. We went through infertility. And in that same season, um, just through different teachers that I came across and different things like this, just really started to understand the sovereignty of God and that it's all a part of his plan and that his plan is good, that he is good and his plan is good. And that even when it seems like he's withholding something good for, uh, from us, it's because he wants something better for us. Even if we don't understand it, even if it doesn't seem to make sense, but we can trust him. And so I think that prepared us for when we did get pregnant, only to find out that that child would be incompatible with life. Um, I think it enabled us to, to walk through that and it was still painful, but we trusted him and we were willing to have open eyes to see him working throughout that season and so um, that gave us peace and it um, created a lot of opportunities to um, talk to others about him. You, you mentioned it earlier when you were talking um, about goodness and living as if the Christian story matters for you personally. You said something about resilience in the, the face of pain and my mind immediately went back to that season. And even as we've shared that story afterwards, you know, it's not uncommon for someone to ask me or ask Jennifer, like, how are you okay after walking through something like that? And it's First Peter 3.15 that um, we have a reason for the hope that is in us. Yeah. And it gives us opportunity to share. Yeah. All right. So your homework um, is to finish your stories. Go home and finish writing your stories. Uh, and I'd love if some of y'all 
Uh, and I hope anyone who gets to listen to this uh, over the next week who didn't make it today um, also gets to work on this a little bit and that they would, y'all would bring it, uh, yours to share next week at the beginning of class. Um, you know, we, I've shared stories uh, that range all the way from, you know, this was like this super big crisis moment in my life that like brings people to tears and like is really big. It could also just be like, a, a simple truth I learned about God that makes me greater appreciate my family or greater appreciate my my life or um, you know we want to be winsome about the ways that we inject these stories into our conversations we want to become so skilled at writing these stories that we actually get to share these stories uh, kind of on the fly in our conversations with friends um, to, to be able to, to say hey I used to live this way and then something happened that changed my life and here's how I live now and being able to inject those into our conversations. Um, so if y'all could finish writing those and bring them next week at the beginning of class, I'd love if a few people would take time to share that. Um, but to review today, we wanna guide our friends, neighbors, coworkers, and family members from being known to being curious. And we do this by one, exposing plot holes in their story, two, challenging plot holes in their story, Three, revealing the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story to them through relationships. And four, sharing our personal stories. Next week, Mace is going to wrap up our series by talking about how we actually get to share the gospel with someone who is curious about the Christian story when the opportunity arises. Will you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the grace and love of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, who rose from the grave, and that through him, our lives will never be the same. We have eternal life. We have a relationship with you. We have purpose. We have meaning. And Lord, I pray that we would let those create stories that we can share with people to spread your glory around the world and that people in our lives would become curious and that they would be drawn to the story, the true story of the world and believe in the hope that can only be found in your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Church Houston podcast. For more resources and to connect with us, including to learn how you can be a part of the journey, visit thejourneyhouston.org.